0: Can we start off by asking um, The listeners a couple of questions And uh, the two questions that Uh, I'm I'm thinking of right now is number One off the back of last week's engagement We spoke about Christmas we spoke about Christmas Carols last week Mm. I'm really Keen and I know that you wrote it down I'm Really keen in hearing um, What folks favorite Christmas Carol or Christmas song is At the moment whether that is contemporary Whether that is pop Or whether that Mm. is uh, Christianized Uh, I'm interested In hearing what what people are listening To for the last uh, couple of weeks uh, Well really from the 1st of December I have my phone uh, with me. I've got a Bluetooth speaker and whether we are eating lunch, eating supper, playing Settlers of Catan in the Dark, thanks to SCOM last night. um, Whatever we're doing, we've got Christmas carols going in the background. Um, I'm interested in hearing what I should be listening to. Uh, Maybe I should add my own voice to the pot. Uh, You can add yours as well. Last night I was listening to Michael Buble's Christmas album Wow um, And was enjoying that um, I think last week I was listening to uh, Is it uh, Pentatonix the Qu- Pentatonix Pentatonix yeah. Christmas album A- And the week before that Or on the 1st of December We were listening to The, <laughs> the theme track Well kind of like Great pop songs through uh, through history uh, from kind of like movies like Love Actually and a sure. couple of others. Some That's of them are fun and a bit of a giggle. Uh, Mariah Carey was in there and a couple of others. Uh, w- w- uh, oh, actually, last night, Settlers of Catan by Candlelight. We were listening to Sovereign Grace's Christmas al- album. I can't remember what the album is called. Called, but it is a fantastic album. I think Bob Kauflin uh, writes a number of, of brand new Christmas uh, Christmas uh, songs, including Oh Come All Ye Unfaithful and. Uh, I think the song is born to us. I love the song; it is absolutely incredible. That's what we were listening to last night, but then mixed through the last couple of weeks, Marco Buble, uh, Pentatonics and uh, and Christmas pop.
1: <laughs> that's that's some good music. Yeah, I remember last week when we were when we were live. You mentioned, "Come all the unfaithful." Yes. And <clears throat> apologies. And uh, this week, I've just been obsessed with that song. So that's, I've, that's I think I, I added a hundred views to the YouTube, <laughs> to the YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I enjoy it so much, uh, and I've just been going down the Sovereign Grace rabbit hole um, yes. that that YouTube tends to put you, yes. take you down as, yes. as soon as you you like something. <laughs> and actually, one of the albums I discovered from them. Now, I don't think it might explicitly be a Christmas a Christmas album, but the album's name is Risen from sovereign grace okay and the whole album is about the resurrection of jesus christ yes i was just blown away by that and it was such i i I felt it was so fitting for this time of year because that's why jesus came He, he came to be born without sin to to take our sins and the consequences of our sins on the cross to die in our place and to ultimately then be risen and ascend to heaven and uh, I just love uh, this week. Sovereign Grace has been such an amazing s- devotional and, and spiritual tool for me in worshiping God. I really, really appreciate that you shared that song. And if any of our listeners still haven't listened to it, come all ye unfaithful, or all you unfaithful, uh, by Sovereign Grace. I, I don't know the name of the lady who sings it, but she's got an amazing voice, and that the music video as well is so precious. Uh, it's it's very touching and what i appreciate about that song is i think it it comforts me in my weakness yes. because <laughs> i know myself uh, i know on a daily basis on a, every morning the biggest struggle is just to start the day of being faithful many many times i fail if i if i do it if i do end up being faithful in the morning it's a matter of time during the day somewhere where i where i'm unfaithful towards christ yes and that song is such a good reminder of why the gospel gives us hope. Because despite our unfaithfulness and shortcomings, Christ is faithful. And he is the perfect one. He, he was fully faithful to God so that God sees us as faithful in Christ. Hey, can I can I add in here that the,
0: just this idea of come all he unfaithful, obviously playing off that very famous uh, Christmas uh, uh, Christmas carol O come all ye faithful um, But but the reason why the words O come all ye unfaithful Resonate so much Is because it's really wrapped up Into the story of Christmas The story of Christmas Is about the incarnation of Christ Jesus Christ coming Emmanuel God with us The bottom line is We were not faithful <laughs> That's the story Of every man's life We were not faithful We were not faithful to God uh, We couldn't climb up the proverbial stairs, the metaphorical stairs, in order to get to heaven. And so, God, who is faithful to Himself and God, who is loving toward us and full of grace and full of mercy, God Himself comes to us. That's the Christmas story. The Christmas story isn't get your life right, you know, go to church and be perfect um, and enjoy Christmas with all the other perfect people around you. The, the Christmas story is, friend. You have a problem It's a sin problem And because you are a sinner You are separated from God You are separated from um, uh, From relationship with him In order for you to be restored In order for you to be reconciled In order for you to be redeemed You need a perfection outside of yourself Enter into the world Enter into the narrative into into um, this this fallen environment comes Jesus Christ, the babe of Bethlehem But there's something unique about him He is born of a virgin His origins are from old He is um, God with us, Emmanuel He comes, he lives the perfect life He dies on a cross uh, for the sins of many um, He rises on the third day He ascends into heaven And he calls upon commands even all men to turn away from their sin and to put their faith and their trust in him that they might be saved. Um, Oh come all he unfaithful because you can. Because the doors of heaven are swung open wide
1: because he bids you enter in. (laughs) Definitely and for me what that song embodies is that we can have assurance In Christ, despite our unfaithfulness, because of who God is. Uh, there's always these these philosophical debates is there something god cannot do because he is omnipotent you know he's all powerful and and yes the bible actually tells us there are things god cannot do god is the god who, who cannot lie god is the yes. god who cannot change yes. he is the god who cannot break it's a covenant's nature he, it, <laughs> he cannot go against his nature and in that is our assurance yes. because he promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us He cannot go against his own nature he cannot break character if we if we can say it like that and in that lies our assurance not in our faithfulness not in our goodness but in the faithfulness of Christ the trustworthiness of Christ therefore when Jesus says come to me all who weary and are heavy laden and I will give you rest that's a promise you can take at face value and one of the amazing things about this time of year that I often remind myself of and others is that Christ desires to save people. It's not just that it's something he does as a byproduct. No, he is eager, he is willing to save people. He stands ready to grab everyone who calls upon his name and place them in the arms of his Father. That's what he desires to do. He desires to glorify himself and his Father by saving the unfaithful. You talk about this, this
0: nature of Christ, to save um, I think of a book I've been reading together with the Pastors and interns at uh, at Central Baptist Church this past Year um, gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortlund. Um And he makes this point even In the opening chapters that It is the nature of Christ To save it's the nature of Christ to love it's the nature Of Christ to bring comfort in Actual fact uh, Dane makes the point That it's the nature of God himself um, We talk about Christ but, but I use that synonymously for with God, uh, it's God's nature uh, to save. Uh, it it is who He is, and it is what He does. We serve a great Savior. Um, the truth is, I'm a great sinner. I think this is a kind of a Spurgeonic quote. The truth is, I'm a great sinner, but I have a great Savior in the person of Jesus Christ.
1: There is. I think it was might be Thomas Watson or Richard Baxter that said uh, the day is just
0: dropping the Puritans. Yeah, like
1: <laughs> like I, I bring Spurgeon to the party and you one up me. But but he's <laughs> and the crown jewel. No 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 no. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and hit
0: an early church father after this. I'm like googling Augustine as we speak. Uh,
1: okay. <laughs> I, I think it was Thomas Watson that said there is more grace in God than the capacity for sin in us. And I love that. That's the gospel. Like I got goosebumps. That's, that's the beautiful. Yes. Yeah, that is amazing. And. And the, a passage, the, probably the most famous chapter in the whole Bible that even unbelievers know, right? Psalm twenty-three. Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. He and is. One of the parts of that psalm that is often looked over, but that is the most comforting for me is where he says, where God says, I will lead you in paths of righteousness for my, my name's, name's sake. sake. For my name. That is the assurance we have. It's not, no, David. It's not. I'm going to lead you until you know, you know, mess up. Yes. Or do something that I disapprove of, or, or till I get bored. Now, I will lead you for my name's sake. My reputation is yep. on the line. God has attached, in a sense, his own
0: glory to both the salvation, the sanctification, and the ultimate glorification of his children. I mean, that sounds a lot like Romans chapter 8, working out all things according to his own glory for those who love him. Peter. Even as we're talking, uh, folk are liking on Facebook, folk are sharing on Facebook. I do want to say thank you to those who engage and interact with the show. Uh, Just in terms of the likes, I see Elizabeth Neft, I see Teresa, I see Brendan, I see Dennis. A number of shares already. Thank you guys so much for that, uh, including (laughs) Mark Penrith, Peter Smith, and Uh, Teresa. Teresa, long-time listener. Looking forward to your questions rolling in, brother. Uh, Thank you so much for that. Um, I do know Peter is about to give Listeners mechanisms that they can Engage with us again Even as we do that I've already dropped One question that we would like to hear From you guys on in terms of What um christmas carols what christmas songs are you listening to this year that you are particularly enjoying uh, if my friend andrew butterworth is listening i know he will pass on a hill song i think it is called king of kings uh, he sent it to me yesterday uh, to listen um, and to think through and to read the lyrics on Um i was uh, going through that uh, uh, yesterday um, but w- what are you listening to? What do you look forward to this time of year? Whether it's Christmas Carol, Silent Night, or Come All You Faithful, or whether it's uh, strolling through Menland um, Square, or Santon City, or the VNA Waterfront listening to BZN playing in the background, or Mariah Carey, whatever it might be um, What are you looking forward to listening to this time of year? And then the second question that I'd like us to raise with our audience, uh, Peter, um, even as they think of questions that they might want to ask Ask us Is are you planning on reading through the Bible next year? Because I, I, from my own experience, have found that uh, reading through the whole of the Bible needs to be a planned experience, it's a big book, it needs to be. tackled systematically um, and uh, you need something of a plan in order to engage with it and if so how are you planning on starting at Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 um, on the 1st of January are you using a software uh, an app in order to facilitate that last year uh, together with about 200 other people um, I read through um, the New Testament from January to March and we used um, I think it was bible dot com um, uh, the the Bible app uh, in order to have kind of like a synchronized Bible read and we could all comment and uh, Track our progress uh, through the Bible read and um, that was fantastic really enjoyed that I'm planning on starting something like that again um, beginning in January 1 However, this time we're planning on reading from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 all the way through to Revelation chapter 22 um, as a question friends, how are you planning on reading the Bible next year? Would you value me opening up that uh, to a wider audience so that you can read together um, with us um, As we go through uh, scripture and as we comment through scripture and engage with scripture Um, Are you doing something with your church? Are you doing something with your family? Do you do something in family devotions? How are you planning on engaging with scripture next year?
1: Yeah, so let me just first tell our audience how they can, can reach us again. If if you want to phone into the studio, please use 012-334-1322. Or you can also leave us a comment on Facebook at Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. Please also send us a voice note or a message on WhatsApp or Telegram. For that, you can use 082-657-2729. And if you're on Twitter, tweet at 6, 5, 7 a.m. So regarding the the reading for the Bible, that's something I try to do on a yearly basis. And I am systematic, but I'm not consistently systematic in my approach every year. Okay, uh, I'd say it, it varies. Sometimes, some years, I've read through the Bible very randomly. Like I, r- I would read a book and then just... In the Old Testament and jump to the New Testament, sure. and just work my way through that. I remember last year I also joined you a couple of times in reading through the New Testament in order. Our church also has this this um, program where we read a chapter of the Bible every single day together. Yes. So there are these various different mechanisms that I I try to partake in as many as I can, mm. um, just to saturate as much as my uh, as much of my day with Scripture as I can. Yes. But all, but the result is that because i'm i'm involved with so many different things i often i can't <laughs> yeah. follow a systematic path yes. but but i don't mind because i feel it works for me i'm i'm yeah. able to read through the bible uh, some years more than once um sometimes i read one book a couple of times without you know i may i may maybe not be able to read through the whole bible but i've read certain books dozens of times throughout the year
0: i mean you say some years more than once i i've I've enjoyed uh, some years reading the Bible multiple times uh, One of the ways that I've achieved that. Is is by reading consistently through scripture from January all the way through to December. And I often will speed up as I get to December, um, just recognizing that things get, whilst things don't get busier as you hit Christmas Day uh, to the new year, there's often family commitments uh, that that impede. And so I try and, and finish a little bit earlier in December. And then um, for a number of years, um, and it started when I went to. Uh, Baptist Theological College, there was a lecturer there, Piff Pereira, um, who who had a one week Bible Read where you read the entire scripture In one week Sure. and I've actually done That a number of times over The last 12 years where I will set aside a week that I'm not Preaching Um, invariably I'll spend a lot of that time just in bed Um, I will put an audio Bible on and I will Read while the audio plays because else I tend to fall asleep when I Read long sways of Anything Um, I tend to get Very tired very quickly but if there's audio in the background, I concentrate on the audio even while I read the text and that seems to work well for me. And I will and then you end up reading for about um eight hours in the day. Um, one year I, I, I listened to the Bible at two times speed because I can read pretty quickly. Um, and that saved a little bit of time um, and helped me to get through because I had other commitments uh, that particular year. Um, but I find that is also a great mechanism for getting through scripture. Because what ends up happening is you then get the big picture Um, Sometimes uh, with scripture you miss the forest for the trees Because you're going through it at at the kind of pace Where you're only focused on the passage that's in front of you Um, Other times when you go through large portions of scripture quickly You get to see the big picture Always encourage people, you know, at least once in your life Sit down and read through the whole of the book of John in one sitting All 21 Chapters um, and the reason for that Is you then get the big picture That Jesus is the Christ The son of God and that he Came into this world and there are signs And, and wonders that point to Him being Messiah and that By believing in him you can have eternal Life that's the uh, a paraphrase Of the purpose statement of the book of John but you don't necessarily see That unless you read it in one setting um, And the same goes for letters um, Letters are meant to be read relatively quickly and um, often when we preach letters we preach them over months even years i preached the book of galatians over two years frightfully too long it was the first book i preached when i when i went to crystal park um but uh, the, the reality is when you read the book of galatians just over a very short space of time and we're talking minutes you know mm. maybe 15 minutes to get through the four chapters uh, I said four. Six. I'm going to go with six. <laughs> I like hit the pause button, and I was like, "No, that doesn't sound like Galatians." Um, but but when you read it quickly. Over a period of fifteen minutes, you really see justification by faith alone coming up through the book in the illustrations that Paul is using in the examples uh, that he is handling um, and even in the application when you come to the application, you can see how his doctrine leads to lifestyle um, and so I, I would always encourage you know both these long reads over a long portion of time but also sometimes short spurted reads through books of the Bible.
1: Yeah, that's such a good idea to to listen to the audio Bible at a bit of a faster pace. I'm definitely going to do that because I love to... Switch between listening And reading And oftentimes i would listen while I'm busy You know Busy working in the garden Or cleaning Or driving around uh, Yes I, I love to listen To the book of Ecclesiastes On repeat yes. Like it's constantly And it's such a great idea That you're mentioning it now Listening on two speed I'm going to do that
0: I'm discipling some people I've no doubt You're discipling some people I have no doubt I will have A week next week Next year That I'm I'm not preaching And I can kind of Juggle some responsibilities Around Maybe what we can do is we could do a a kind of like a joint read uh, it 's a great way of holding one another accountable. Um, we read together and there can be some brief comment uh, at the end of books um, awesome. and that might be a great way of uh, of engaging with scripture we 've got quite a lot of user engagement that 's comes through particularly on whatsapp. Uh, our whatsapp line uh, friends just to remind you, you might want to write this down as o a two 6572729 I've got three Whatsapps that have Come through Looking forward To the folk on Facebook dropping A comment Guys you can't Just uh, be there I can see that You're that you're Watching I'm um, Looking forward to Hearing from you uh, Let me read some Of these comments I tinker first it Says morning With an exclamation Mark so that's Kind of like Morning <laughs> Almost like uh, in Scripture where it Goes behold and There's like an Angel or something um, Morning my favorite Song to listen to During Christmas time Is oh holy night Yeah I tinker I uh, I like that song too. It's a beautiful carol. Also love to listen to "Mary, Did You Know." Uh, yeah, that that that's a that's a tearjerker. There, there's a there's a YouTube um, "Mary, Did You Know," and I think it's put together. Uh, it's stitched together with the Jesus film or, or one of those uh, one of those films I, I, I forget But but it's just all the interactions with Mary and then kind of presents Jesus on the cross at the end it's, It really is a tearjerker and um, the song itself is absolutely beautiful uh, Tinker, think abs- I completely agree with you. Uh, Upper Room's rendition is very special to me. Uh, thanks for the engagement and the interaction um uh, Valery uh, says uh, Did he say the whole Bible in one week And then there's like a whole lot of emoticons Ending in a fiery emoticon yeah, I did say the whole Bible in one week And, and it's not just me Valery uh, uh, Valery um, In actual fact there's, there's a number of people that do this Um Uh, you know regarding the Baptist Theological College all the first-year students it's it's uh, it's an outcome it's a it's a course requirement is reading the Bible in one week Uh, it's invigilated so there's someone there to make sure that no one falls asleep everyone's awake Um, and then at the end of that week I think you submit a paper and basically talking about the experience and giving a kind of a big picture uh, concept of what you took out of it Um, uh, excellent course Uh, in fact Maybe let me just put a put a pitch. Um, um, Peter is from Christ Seminary, and we often say very nice things about Christ Seminary. But let me just say, if you if you're looking for because December is often the time of year that people are thinking, what am I going to do next year? And you're looking for places to study next year, um, give some thought to the following kinds of colleges where accredited degrees, certificates, diplomas, um, masters, and others are available. That would be Christ Seminary. That's in Polokwane. You can find that by googling. I'll put the I'll put the links in the show notes. Um, sets if uh, uh, sets which Is the South African Theological Seminary And um, the Baptist Theological College uh, And then um, Makanyo Theological College All four of those Would have in some way Inculcated in them um, A Bible read um, engagement And I really would encourage you To take a look at that Teresa, thanks for sending in A relatively long uh, WhatsApp He says Greetings Trust you are all great We are great Uh, Thanks for asking Teresa Scriptures And questions Now he is quoting From 1 Timothy Chapter 4 Verse 14 Do not neglect The spiritual gift Within you Which was bestowed On you Through prophetic Utterance With the laying On of hands By the presbytery Um, That's an interesting translation that you're reading from um i'm wondering i I doubt that that's the esv i'm sure the esv says council of elders um but we'll go and check that out right now presbytery i wonder (laughs) which translation that is please clarify this and confirm if believers can receive gifts through others laying hands on them that's a question mark from teresa peter where on earth Earth, do you get started answering a question like that, brother?
1: Sure. Okay, throwing me, me into the deep end here. Well, I've always understood this passage not as as a a transfer of gifts, almost in the sense of a magical. Um, magical deposit (laughs) it's almost as a confirmation that's at least my opinion and and feel free to to correct me or disagree with me on that but it's if I read the whole context where starting at verse 11 the the paragraph where Paul gives him these instructions what he needs to do command Mm. uh, and teach these things no one despise your youth be an example devote yourself to public reading of scripture and teaching do not neglect the gift um and which uh, the gift of prophecy which was given by uh, which was given by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you, practice these things, immerse yourself in them. I've always understood that as the, it's a confirmation of Timothy's calling. They God called him. It uh, Paul obviously saw it when he first met Timothy in Acts. That's why he was so eager to take this young man that he hasn't known for a long time with him on his journeys and um with the council of elders confirming Timothy's position, almost the ordination, uh, because at this time he is at the church in Ephesus, he's acting as the pastor with elders that serves alongside him. Um, it seems that Paul is just encouraging Timothy: continue what you have been ordained to do, or d- ordained to do. Continue with what you have been called to do. Be diligent.
0: Mm. Uh, that's great Um, and I I like what you're saying it was a confirmation um, by laying on of hands Um, in actual fact we practice that today in, in our church as well um, so what will happen is, uh, if members come into uh, come into church, if there is a baby dedication, if there is a baptism, um, if there is a pastoral induction, we will ask the candidate uh, to come forward. Uh, we will ask the elders to come forward. The elders will gather around the person. We will lay hands on them. We will pray for them. Uh, we will ask God to bless them and to be glorified in and through their testimony, depending on the. Circumstances The prayer might be a little bit different um, And I think that this is an entirely biblical practice We see Jesus um, uh, doing the same um, uh, At times in his ministry uh, there are two instances of Paul in Acts chapter 10 and in Acts chapter 19 and in Acts chapter 10 uh, It's uh, when he is speaking to the Gentile believers, the Roman centurion um, It says in verse 4 to 6 that he laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them um, in Acts nineteen, uh, very similar, it's uh, John's baptism of uh, was of repentance. Paul is saying, uh, and he told the people to believe in one coming after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing that, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Um and so you you've got this um the, the this laying on of hands at the point of salvation and then in First Timothy this this laying on of hands at the point of induction. I think the laying on of, of, of hands certainly is tied very closely to the connecting of the message with the messenger um and the spiritual gift Uh, With the gift giver Um, At the same time uh, Teresa if your question is related to the gifts um, I still believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit I might not believe that all The gifts of the Holy Spirit are operational In quite the same way that we see them In the New Testament Um, But certainly we believe That uh, the Holy Spirit is sovereign In bestowing gifts That the church needs gifts And that God's people have gifts That they ought to operate in Within the context of the local church Um, And so uh, if we pray for those who come into membership that they would not only discover their gifts but operate in their gifts that God might be praised. Uh, I think that that is entirely appropriate and in line uh, with the scripture. Uh, anything to add while you've been thinking Peter?
1: I also think it's important to understand this concept of laying on of hands. It's not uniquely biblical. Okay, uh, it, it's, it's maybe uniquely biblical in the sense that it's almost only I think the church and Christians who do this today in out of all the different institutions. But it was also something in the ancient world that was quite common, whether it was a transfer of power from an emperor towards a governor of a province in the Roman Empire, or um, even in in other institutions like the the Roman military, a promotion was often done by the laying on of hands from a commander to the person being promoted. So it's got this whole symbolic um, uh, picture of a person who has something that is bestowing onto someone else or recognizing someone's position or authority or gift or something like that so it's it's not unique to the biblical to the biblical narrative it's 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 paul and the christians in those days working within the contextual historical frame that they are in yes and and today, because people don't do it anymore, I think it's all the more important that we keep that tradition, mm. because it's a beautiful image. It's a. However, can I put, can I put like one caveat in? Mm. Um, so, th-
0: the books of the Bible. Some some books, as we read the Bible, we recognize that they are descriptive. I'm thinking of the Gospels and the Book of Acts. These are describing the events. They're not necessarily prescriptive in our lives. When we cross over to the epistles, generally we say that the epistles are prescriptive. Mm. You know, these are commands to the church. However, even the commands that we read to the church, we recognize that we read them in context. Not every command which is given to every church is to be applied in exactly the same way um, to, to to us today. We, we recognize we're looking for authorial intent and mm. as we then apply theological reflection, uh, we're looking for valid mechanisms of application into our lives now um, rather than wooden uh, interpretations in this particular passage there are a number of commands in fact if I remember correctly there's 12 imperatives from verse 6 and following where he says put these things into practice brothers and it's just imperative after imperative boom 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 Paul to Timothy my son in the faith this is what I want you to do Uh, I want you to be a good service, a good servant of Jesus Christ that's the controlling idea Within that context He says this Do not neglect the gift that you have And mm. then he describes When the gift was given And how the gift was given And I would say that That portion of the text Is descriptive Of Timothy in particular I don't think that we need to write this down in kind of like canon law and every single time that a member comes in it's got to happen in the same way or every single time a person gets baptized it's got to happen in the same way. Um, I would say that there is a description here that we are wise to read and seek for application in some form, mechanism or element um, in our kind of discipleship process the prescriptive portion is um, in the first half of verse 14a do not neglect the gift that you have timothy and i think that that has immediate and and uh, application to us and to every single believer friend do not neglect the gift that you have which means and by the way Paul would love to make the point to you today, and I'm I'm now leveraging off one Corinthians 14 and one Corinth uh, and one Corinthians 12. Paul would love to make the point to you today that gifts are given for edification; they're given to build the church up, which means you cannot exercise your gift in and apart from uh, apart from uh, the local church. You need to be. Exercising your gift. In order for you not to neglect your gift, you need to find a body of believers where you can exercise your gift and that God might be glorified in your life. Maybe, can I? Read a couple of the other comments that have come in And we can get back to a a further question uh, That we have relating to These spiritual gifts Um, I I see Jean has engaged With us Uh, she she says Hey Mark and team Uh, Team being wussy on controls And uh, Peter sitting Next to me going to make cheese scones uh, A whole lot of emoticons Um, And then friends coming for Tea at 10.30 and I'll have the radio on Uh, That's really cool Jean and thanks for Telling us you've made me hungry mama is watering. Um this is the time of year for friends and tea and scones. <laughs> um Brendan says good morning Mark and Peter I love "O Holy Night." We had our Christmas carol service last Sunday at Pretoria North Baptist Church, and I've not found a better cover on Spotify or YouTube uh, the way our pastor sings at our church. I think you were telling us last week that uh, Pastor Jacques has an amazing voice. He's an
1: amazing. He's an amazing instrumentalist. He's like he plays guitar, drums. I'm almost certain he can play a little bit of piano bass guitar and he can, sings amazing
0: can, can I put another fit in his cap last week we had a um, a marriage seminar at Central Baptist Church and um, Pretoria and we invited Jock to be the keynote speaker and he came with his wife and uh, he you know before we, we it was like a three-course meal and um, before we ate um, or in between the, the What's it? The introductions, the hors uvers hmm. <laughs> the 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 um the uh hors d'oeuvres. Um, just after the hors he he preached um uh, kind of the centrality of Christ in marriage. He did such a great job. Um really I'm, I'm so proud of this association between Central Baptist Church and Pretoria North Baptist Church. And then after um dinner, maybe before dessert or while dessert was being I mean I can't remember exactly how things worked out, um but there was a Q and A with Jacques and his wife uh, and it was Excellent. They they fielded some really tough sure. questions around marriage, and um, they were so transparent and so honest. It was it was just a wonderful time. Really, really enjoyed it. So not just a musician, I nearly said magician. Not just a <laughs> musician, but a fine uh, a fine preacher as well. Pretoria North is blessed to have him. Um, Brendan goes on to say On the Bible On the Bible reading I'm trying to read Through the Bible Before the end of January I started in Genesis And I have some resources To help me get an overview Of each book Before I start Uh, That's excellent Brendan And and maybe to say For those of you Who have Um, Study Bibles, whether that's a life application Bible, whether that is a Holman Christian Standard Bible with the Holman notes in it, whether that's a Reformation Bible, I think the notes there are from Ligonier from uh, R.C. Sproul, Uh, a John MacArthur Study Bible is a Bible I'm, I'm very familiar with, had for at least the first 10 years, maybe longer, of my Christian walk. It was very helpful. The 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 notes, normally just kind of like a one page introduction of the book that you're going to be reading for, well worth reading before you tackle each individual book because it gives you the big picture of what's going to be going on um, in that book. If you'd like uh, recommendations, if you're in the the buying for a bible um for a christmas present for yourself we are let me not tell who i've bought christmas presents for it'll it'll ruin the surprise of the 25th of december but we recently did the homework of going and looking at bibles um, and study bibles in particular and uh yeah well worth and make for excellent gifts Um, for family and friends Belinda thank you see that uh, see that comment I really do appreciate that Um, let's get back to a question regarding um, gifts Um, for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 That you may be established That is that I may be encouraged Together with you While among you Each of us By one another's faith Both yours and mine And that's a quotation from Romans chapter 1 Verse 11 to 12 And the question here is Please explain What these verses mean And if this may have been done By the laying on of hands Uh, That's a great question Even as uh, Peter thinks of an answer (laughs) Let me just say Guys we, we love your questions This is a Q&A show I'm looking at the clock And it's 9.52 Which means that we have An hour and eight minutes Remaining To engage with you In God's word um, Around the kinds of questions That you would like answers to um, Peter is well equipped To give answers And I am here as well <laughs> To engage with you The way that you can engage Is phone into the studio love hearing your voice It also gives us the opportunity To clarify the question that you're asking and the telephone number this morning is 12 1322 you can send in a whatsapp enjoy whatsapp voice notes haven't heard a whatsapp voice note from my friend in benoni uh, google hannah for a while google hannah if you're listening in i'd love to hear from you uh, 0826572729 and uh, If you're currently streaming on Facebook, you can just drop a comment under the Facebook stream We see that live in studio and we can engage on your questions uh, We've been speaking a little bit about Christmas carols. We've been speaking uh, and what you enjoy We've been speaking a little bit about reading through the Bible and how you do it um, and uh, Most recently we've been talking about the impartation of spiritual gifts particularly with the laying on of hands Peter You've got Romans chapter 1 verse 11 to 12 in front of you. How do you go? About answering the question Can you please explain What these verses mean And if this may have been done By the laying on of
1: hands So What The the, the usage of the word Spiritual gift in, in what In chapter 1 verse 11 Of Romans I think Has three possible meanings Okay uh, The first one could be It could be referring to A spiritual gift In the way that we know The spiritual gifts Like prophecy Or speaking in tongues Or serving or Those that we get in Romans And 1 Corinthians it could also refer to what Paul mentions just in the next verse, where he says that that he might be encouraged by them, like he, he wants to he wants to impart his spiritual gift to yes. them where his ministry of apostleship he wants to impart that to them by ministering to them, pastoring them serving uh, serving them, and as a result also then be encouraged by them, or it could mean both of those things uh, that Paul is coming to that church to sort of establish them to set up help them set up ministry to help the people practice out their gifts uh, serve one another serve the church and also that he wants to impart his gift of apostleship um so i i think any of those three options in my opinion is valid and that again the laying on of hands is crucial because he wants to be there in person
0: and just a note about what paul's gift of apostleship is and how it relates to the roman church Paul from the big picture Is writing the book of Romans To the Roman church To ask him to get involved In the mission Right Um, To get involved In the proclamation Of the good news Even to further field lands and so in particular it seems as we read through the book of Romans that Paul's intention is to come to Rome spend some time with the Roman Church but he really intends on going through Rome and hitting Spain beyond he he, he wants to take the good news of the gospel to places where it has never been heard and so, what he's saying is, hey, listen, yeah, I'm going to come to you, <laughs> and when I come, uh, I want to be with you, and I want to give you whatever you need in order to be well established, as you send me off and along on this greater work which I need to to do, and maybe just in terms of the question regarding laying on of hands, um, I. I don't think that we can tell From the text in front of us As to whether or not He would have laid on of hands I think we could You know Read other portions of scripture And say Maybe this was Paul's practice Maybe Paul certainly condoned this And so There's a possibility Maybe Even a likelihood That that is how It might happen in the future But we definitely can't Categorically say From this verse In this context That that is what Paul had in mind Can I just On
1: that go Go down a little tangent a oh, bit. Go
0: ahead. That's what. That's <laughs> what Fridays are
1: for. Tangents. <laughs> one of my favorite things about the Book of Romans is chapter one, verse fifteen. Yes. Where Paul says, "So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome," and that's something you expect of Paul to say. But what I found find so fascinating about this is that Paul, in the first uh, six verses. He already calls them saints of Christ. He calls them those who belong and who are called by Jesus Christ. Like He's not saying that they're unsaved. He confirms their salvation, that they belong to Jesus Christ in the first six verses. And then verse 15, he says again, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you. What makes that so amazing to me is it shows that the gospel is for Christians. It's not just a yes. tool for evangelism. You never graduate from you the never. gospel onto something else. It's the not the first step in this, on the yes. stairway. It is the whole stairway. Yes. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> the gospel. I love
0: Yeah. Uh, no, that's, uh, that's excellent. Thank you, Peter. Um, and thank you for that question. Um, all in all, what is wrong with the view of laying on of hands versus the biblical view of laying on? On of hands. All in all, what is wrong? What is the wrong view of laying on of hands versus the biblical view of laying on of hands? Um, I, I, again, thanks for the question. Really appreciate it. Um, a, as I, as I, I read the question, I, I might not even have experienced bad, bad expressions of laying on of, of hands that the that the, the the question is referring to. But I can imagine that there are some people who take that which we see in scripture and then uh, use it in ways that scripture doesn't intend we see that with people pleading the blood For Mm. instance, we see that with people um, engaged in in some forms of prayer that, that Scripture doesn't intend. And I can imagine that there are some forms of laying on of hands that Scripture doesn't intend. Kind of like assigning to the laying on of hands magical kind of properties or intention that Scripture has in no way a view of. And so that certainly would be illegitimate ways to take just these few verses and apply them um and and then let me also just say that as i'm saying that uh, just something comes to mind we scripture doesn't give us a lot of information we need to be wary of building massive doctrines um kind of like um ways that we do things based on just one verse from 1 timothy chapter 4 and a few smatterings of verses from the book of acts which is descriptive rather than prescriptive we have got to be very wary of building entire doctrines out of how we do things and why the way that we do things is right when in actual fact very often the way that we do things is based on, on very little biblical um, basis um, and more on traditional basis or preference basis if that makes sense so, so making
1: something prescriptive when in actual
0: fact it's, it's more preference I don't know if you've got anything to
1: add there what you said makes perfect sense. I I think one of the ways I've seen Christians and churches apply a wrong view of what it means uh, when it when we talk about the laying on of hands is when they are sort of similar to what we see happens in witchcraft circles or or Eastern mysticism circles. Uh, as you you use the word magic, it's almost. I've, for example, seen situations where a self-proclaimed pastor says be whoever he touches with his hands by the laying on of hands will be blessed in some way, whether it be with prosperity or they will have a sickness removed. You're
0: right. I've, I've seen that on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous, prideful, over-the-board kind of. Yeah, w- w- wicked. Completely yeah. contrary to scripture. witchcraft. That's yes. witchcraft. That's yes.
1: a few, that's that's what they practice. That's what they believe. That's yeah. what they do. It's w-
0: witchcraft with a Christian veneer.
1: Correct. And where we see the biblical example of of laying on of hands is a confirmation. It is an affirmation, a public affirmation. Almost always when there is laying on of hands, it's more than just two people.
0: Peter, I've got to stop you because I can't believe it. It's already (laughs) 10 o'clock. Time has gone so fast. Maybe just to say if you're listening in, the show will go on from 10 o'clock until 11 o'clock. We've got... A couple of questions That have come in Michael We're going to be Answering your question Uh, We've got a couple of uh, More carols That have come in Uh, Teresa We'll call out Your carol as well It's also one of my favorites Um, And um, Straight after the break I think we're going to Talk a little bit About church history I'm looking forward To that engagement Do hang around In the meantime We are going to Be listening To Your voice By Skylar Smith And Kim Walker We'll be back in let's call it three minutes time well friends it is good to be back with you for the second half of the show this morning um, really enjoy ga- engaging with our audience guys you've sent through great questions so far this morning uh, I appreciate all of it um, and uh, thanks I think Teresa so Teresa just right now this very second sent in another question but instead of sending it in on whatsapp he sent it in on facebook and I think what he's done is he normally sends in like clockwork three questions every week but now he's just trying to like get in a second question by sending it in on on facebook so teresa we're not going to count this against you i love engaging with you brother he says some saints believe that they may receive the gift of tongues through the laying on of hands because that what was seen in acts against okay, and we did read those two passages acts chapter 10 acts chapter 19. you know teresa a couple of things just on that number one is um, the book of acts is very interesting in that we see so little Activity regarding tongues in particular um, In the book we have um, tongues um, Spoken of in Acts chapter 2 In Acts chapter 10 In Acts chapter 19 I think in Acts chapter 15 as well Um, So in Acts chapter 2 You've got the day of Pentecost As the Jews come to faith In Acts chapter 10 You have this God fearing uh, Centurion coming to faith Um, In Acts chapter you know what I'm actually going to go with um, Samaria and uh, that must be around Acts chapter 8 9 you've got the uh, Samaritans uh, coming to faith and you've got uh, tongues again and then the last use is Acts chapter 19 as the disciples of John come to faith all of those are very interesting in that they are specific events that they are different from one another that at each time except for Acts chapter 19 the apostle um, Peter's and uh, and other apostles make an appeal that it is the same as what happened in Acts chapter 2 um, and and so what what I find interesting about the book of Acts is just how little um, tongues is spoken about in the book of Acts and it seems to be around the advance of the gospel to each one of these particular people group that's the first kind of statement the second statement is whilst you are right two of those events Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter chapter nineteen involve the laying on of hands. The primary event, Acts chapter two, and the other event, Acts chapter eight or nine, I can't remember which one, um, don't explicitly say that, that hands were were laid on. And that reminds us that this book is descriptive, not prescriptive, and we don't see a prescription of what um Uh, Confirmation, induction, uh, impartation needs to look like in the book of Acts That's not to say because I kind of buy into um, I think it's fee um that that makes the point that if we see something repeated over and over again in the book of acts in a in a descriptive book um it, it can be one of the mechanisms that we use to infer prescription uh in that book I, I seem to remember that in a book that was written reading the bible for all it's worth I, I, it might have been gordon fee it, it might have been someone else um but uh, i i remember that stated and i, I buy into uh, that hermeneutical principle um the, the third thing though is that um um whilst some saints believe that and and i believe that oh uh, the, the the third thing is um, i would be fine with that if those same saints that are laying on our hands are imparting the same kind of spiritual gift that we see in the book of acts and the spiritual gift that we've seen in the book of acts as it relates to tongues in any event Um, is without a doubt a language known to men that's what makes it miraculous it's not um, gibberish it's not a string of consonants and vowels that when put together um, make no logical sense no it is like um, it is something which can be understood Um, it is saints declaring the great and glorious acts of God in languages which they've never been taught Um, and so if there are saints out there that are practicing that they're laying on of hands and all of a sudden people are speaking in languages and to men I want to encourage that if they're declaring the great and glorious acts of God I want to to encourage that I'm not going to fall off my theological horse if I hear of that happening to my knowledge I don't hear of that happening and so for all intensive purposes I am a pragmatic cessationist Um, but I do understand what is motivating believers to do that I, I, I don't want to I don't want to cause uh, aspersions to those who are trying to be biblical as they act out their faith. Um, I, I'm just for myself. I, I'm not too sure that this is prescriptive. I think that this is descriptive, particularly in the Book of Acts, for those um, for those reasons which I've already given. And maybe just to say that Teresa says that um, uh do not fear. Sovereign Grace Music is his favorite Christmas song uh, this Christmas season I gotta agree with you I love that song in actual fact I wrote down a list of Christmas carols that I'd like our church to sing uh, this year and sent it through to our worship director Isaac who then sent it on to the worship leaders the various different worship leaders at different campuses and um, uh, do not fear was one of the songs which I asked could we please sing this song Every Sunday Uh, The other one was Oh come all the unfaithful uh, Which I asked, Can we please sing this song Every Sunday Because there are new Christmas carols I want our people to get used to them Because they are so rich And so awesome um, And so Christocentric um, That I'd like to encourage their usage Um, We got two questions that have come in That are eschatological in nature And by eschatological I mean that they are talking about future things Mm. Peter are you willing to go where no man has gone before? <laughs> okay, no, that's not strictly true, <laughs> but that is a Star Trek analogy. We, we do drop the occasional Star Trek and Star Wars um, uh, um, uh, quotes.
1: <laughs> Handle of the rings. <laughs> well, my wife
0: this morning, I thought it was so cool. I'm going to I'm gonna um, Facebook it a little bit later. Um, I, I was putting on my clothes. I was in a bit of a rush this morning um, to get to church on time for an early morning prayer meeting. And I checked my, my back pocket because I could feel that there was something in it. And I, I pulled. And it was was just kind of like pocket lint. There was a a balloon from a, uh, we went to a gender reveal party. We hosted one at our house. And there was kind of like a crumpled up piece of paper. And it was just pocket lint. My wife looked at me and said, what's he got in his pocketses? (laughs) I think that's so cool when your wife gets you and is able to quote Lord of the Rings. It's like I'm so proud of her. Because when I met her, like Star Wars, Star Trek and Lord of the Rings, unknown to her. But now she can actually drop quotes. Uh, That's That's amazing. Uh, yeah that's a that's amazing med- Like I'm thinking Why didn't Solomon Put that in Proverbs 31 It's uh, like the missing flaws <laughs> Be careful what we say About <laughs> Solomon And flaws in scripture Okay uh, Great question That's coming from Michael We're going to handle this With kid gloves It is eschatology That's the doctrine Of future things He says Good morning Pastor Mark I'm so grateful To, our, uh, to God our Savior For using you To help one To understand So many difficult passages uh, That's such a compliment Michael Thank you for making it I look forward to your program knowing that my questions will be answered. Today I have two questions. Uh, in fact it, it it appears to be three because there's a second WhatsApp that's come in. But let's deal with the with these one at a time. Today I have two questions. I'm smiling because I've be I actually had a wonderful conversation about a pastor um this week on these particular issues. It says if you read my mind, Michael um uh, during the tribulation will the Holy Spirit still be on earth that's the first question i am going to hospital pass this rugby ball over to you Peter, and say brother kick us off uh, you're gonna have to ex- give a whole lot of context um if uh, to explain this and a couple of caveats
1: <laughs> so with regarding the the revelation uh, the tribulation um Will the Holy Spirit be there? Yes, I I do believe so. Uh, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, so He is everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. But is He? Will He be there in a indwelling way? I assume maybe is what the question is. Will He be? Will He be on Earth during the tribulation in the sense that He is now, while the Church is here on Earth? And I do believe yes. My my perspective, my my view regarding Revelation is that the, there will be a tribul- tribulation and that the, the nation of Israel will yeah. be saved during that period of the tribulation and that they will be the, the megaphone of the gospel. Uh, and And that it 's the work of the Holy Spirit that saves people, even even them, even the Jews, Israel today, cannot be saved apart from believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that cannot happen without the Holy Spirit changing their hearts, bringing them to life. A regeneration is the is the big theological word, and in order for the nation of Israel to be saved during the the tribulation period, yes, the Holy Spirit needs to be there. Okay, Now I'm going to give a
0: whole lot of caveats And I'm going to give them out of both pastoral care But also out of um, a, a desire to be, um, to be uh, transparent When it comes to eschatology, friends um, It turns out that there are a variety of views out there um, The disadvantage right now is that Peter and I both hold to the same view um, we are what are called dispensational preacher millennialists which mean that we believe in um God. Um, Dealing separately With the nation of Israel and separately uh, With the church We also furthermore believe in a Literal rapture of God's church Followed by a seven year tribulation Period followed by the second coming Of Jesus Christ who then sets Up a kingdom which lasts For a thousand years and at the end of that kingdom A great white throne judgment So let's call that a Literal interpretation of The book of um, Revelation Together with Daniel together with other Portions of Scripture, uh, as well as 2 Thessalonians and and other places, bringing all of that together. Um, Matthew, the Olivetti discourse, I think it is, um, bringing all of those together and bringing them to bear in terms of of piecing together an eschatology as we see. Yes, the caveat: they are good, godly, awesome pastors. Who are not from exactly the same theological view as Peter and I. Some of which are listening in, even right now. And I, just want to, I just want to say, Michael, I don't know which church you attend, um, and a listener, I don't know which church you go to, um, when it comes to eschatology. I want to acknowledge that there are good guys that differ with me on this point. Second to that, when it comes to eschatology, I think all good guys will acknowledge a little bit that we don't, that as we gaze forward into the future, there is a little bit of mystery. (laughs) There is a little bit of smoke. There is stuff that we can't see clearly now the things that are revealed in scripture are revealed to us that we might understand them know them be able to read the times but we must be very careful as we gaze forward to say what the bible says and not go beyond what scripture is written um we're not going to get into a discussion regarding hermeneutical differences that result in these different understandings of future things but maybe to say that there are good reasons why believers who are brothers in the faith in every way come to different understandings um, in terms of of future things based on how they interpret particularly unfulfilled prophecy because that's the sliver of difference that it comes down to because in in every other place we we apply what is called a grammatical historical literal interpretation of scripture but in unfulfilled prophecy uh, there are two divergent groups in terms of how we handle those texts those are the caveats that I want to put on the table. But now to the question because I think it's a great question is is the Holy Spirit going to be there? My answer would be exactly the same as Peter's. The bottom line is we see people getting saved during the tribulation period. As you go through the book of Romans, uh, we think of the 144,000 Jews that will turn from their traditional beliefs and practices and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their lord and their savior during the tribulation period. The holy spirit must be involved in that process because he convicts and he uh, he convicts people of their sin he opens their eyes that they might see christ and draws them to jesus christ as their lord and their savior that answers the question what you're not asking um is um which i now just want to dwell on just briefly is what is the role of the holy spirit in the tribulation period is it different to the role of the holy spirit right now in the church age or the role of the holy spirit in the old testament times turns out that the holy spirit does different things in different dispensations of man let me give you an example in the old testament the holy spirit drew people to Christ opened their eyes that they might see Christ um, but the way that he related to believers and unbelievers was slightly different to what we see in the New Testament in the in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit would settle on a person particularly those in public office or those in a particular office um, for God in peculiar ways that would be the king of Israel for instance or priests or prophets uh, in the Old Testament from time to time he would descend and settle with even the whole Nation of Israel But he would settle sometimes for a time And then the Holy Spirit would depart It was a slightly different engagement To what we see in the New Testament In the New Testament we read Particularly in Romans chapter 8 Which is where I point you to I've I've recently been going through Romans chapter 8 Two verses a week uh, with a Bible study, loving it. In Romans chapter eight, we read that the Holy Spirit is given to us. He's given to us a, as a, a sign, as a seal, as assurance that we are saved. The Holy Spirit Himself testifies within us that we are saved. As we cry out, uh, "Abba, Father," um, and uh, and is involved in our lives. The Holy Spirit is given as a seal to the day of redemption, as a a, a sign that we are saved, and is part of the assurance that we. Have that we are in Christ now in the tribulation period and this is a period after the rapture of the church a period before the second coming of Jesus Christ to establish a thousand-year um, reign and rule um, during that seven-year period one role that the Holy Spirit is presently active and doing in our world today um, is absent or at least we see it to be absent and that role is the restraint of sin right now things uh, I mean we live in South Africa so we sometimes see depravity of man in news headlines every single day man does disgusting things and yet at the same time there's a sense that the Holy Spirit is presently acting as a restraint making sure that man isn't as evil as man could be when we look at the book of Revelation we see that the Holy Spirit's um, uh, uh, ministry of restraining the collective sin of man seems to be have been apl- uh, uh, withdrawn for a period so that the depravity of man is on clear display man doing disgusting things um for a period of time um, But the Holy Spirit is still there in that he is living and moving and saving people even in the midst of that depraved world um, At the end of time anything that you want to add to that?
1: Yeah I I appreciate the pastoral note on which you approach this mark Because I think especially when it comes to this topic of eschatology the, the study of end times it's utterly crucial that we approach it with humility and grace and love because we have brothers and sisters that disagree with us. Yes. And to draw lines you know, based on that, uh, while we preach the same gospel, we, we we run the same race, we engage on the same mission, I think is unwise and sinful. Yes. That being said... I also, I always encourage people to engage with the topic because I seem to, to, it seems to me that because eschatology is such a difficult topic or, or field of study and because of the disagreements People tend to stay away from it, it. but that's not what we see in the biblical example. For example, we know that Paul was only able to be with the Christians in, in Thessalonica for a couple of weeks, right? Maybe three months before he got chased away. And while he was there with these new Christians for a couple of weeks, he already taught them eschatology because when he was chased yeah. away, they sent him all these letters asking yes. him, well, what about clarification, this? Clarification, yeah. clarification. And so if Paul thought it wise that new believers yes. must be taught eschatology, then we should also think it wise. And and I think then the question is why? Why is eschatology, why is end times study, biblical end times study so important? Well, the answer is because it gives you hope. Mm. There are different views regarding the end times, but the view that is most definitely unbiblical is the view that leaves the Christian without hope. Mm. Because that's what that's one of the reasons we have the book of Revelation in the very first three verses. Yeah. Blessed is the one, happy is the one yes. who reads these words aloud.
0: And and you know what gets me excited about the Book of Revelation because I, I I see it coming as I as I hit revelation at the end of a Bible read as I hit the Book of Revelation I start getting excited because I know what's coming it's kind of like when you watch Lord of the Rings right mm-hmm. you, you invest I, I recently invested the time of going through the extended Versions of Lord of the Rings That is a whole lot of hours I did it just before I watched the Rings of Power Which is a discussion For a completely different time <laughs> um, But but in Lord of the Rings The extended version Long period of time But what kind of gets you excited Is toward the end of the movie There is kind of a <laughs> an, an, an allusion To the return of the king As Aragorn kind of rips out the sword And and, and rushes the armies Just before his, his consequences created as king and but this idea of return the king Lord of the Rings aside there is a greater king (laughs) than could ever be described in literature there is a greater king than could ever live uh, in this world and yet he has come to this world incarnate in a first advent and he will come to this world incarnate in a second advent, and he will reign and rule and Let's just suspend a thousand years for a, for a moment. He will reign and rule forever and ever because that's where we agree. Mm. Revelation is about the return of the king. It's about the victory of Jesus Christ over everything. Over death, over darkness, over the devil. Those are three Ds. I, 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 yeah, that's pretty cool. Over the devil, over da- over darkness. The devil and death Let's put it in order A literal order As the book of Revelation presents them Jesus Christ wins He he defeats every foe That's what gets us excited about eschatology Um, The intricacies of how that happens Bowls and trumpets and seals And angels and death And one third cast down And one third swallowed up by fire The intricacies of how that happens Christians differ on But where we agree is Jesus Christ is coming again and he is coming in victory. Mm. Um, And our hearts and our minds need to be prepared even in the present for that. It gives the Christian great assurance to know that the victory is already won. And it gives those who aren't Christians pause, even in the midst of their sinful lives, pause to know that in the end every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is king of kings and lord of lords the moment to repent to turn away from your sins and cast yourself upon this great and glorious king is now my friend (laughs) don't delay it is now Uh, second question and uh, and then we can call it quits on eschatology for this morning in in any case is um, if the church has been raptured by revelation chapter 4 and 5 do people still have the opportunity to accept um, Jesus Christ during the tribulation now we've actually already dealt with that uh, we've spoken about the 144,000 who clearly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ um during that period uh, let me then just deal with the word rapture Um uh, rapture is interesting and, and definitely in the book of Revelation I, I see rapture even though I don't read the word and I see rapture in this if you had to just do a Google search Um, Not a Google search If you had to open up your Bible app Or um, BibleGateway.com Or whatever um, Bible mechanism You use to read digitally God's word um, And you had to type in the word church You will discover And uh, I don't have it open in front of me But I'm going to go with 20 or 21 Instances of the word church In the first three chapters um, Of the book of Revelation So there's seven letters written to seven churches Jesus Christ uses the word church many times And so the, the instances instances of the use of the word add up to around um uh, 20 times uh, in those first three chapters and then there is a pause i believe it's a seven year pause during tribulation where the word church isn't mentioned again from chapter four uh, which seems to be a gaze into heaven almost a Parentheses in the book, as 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 John looks at what's happening in heaven above and sees the Lamb taking the scroll, he is the 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 he gets the title deeds to the universe. Uh, there seems to be a pause in the book, and then as he returns to the narrative to this apocalyptic literature, as he returns to to this description of the end times, the word church. Doesn't appear It's startling in its absence That the, mm. the, the church isn't there We we do find the people of God there In particular the people of, uh, of the nation of Israel um, But the word church The ecclesia The called out ones The assembled ones Isn't there um, And then you get to the end of the book And guess mm. what Surprise surprise Coming down from heaven Is the new Jerusalem A- And explicitly We have Jesus Christ Talking about the church in Uh, Revelation chapter 20 I think think it's 19, Uh, the marriage supper The the marriage supper of the Lamb And so the the point here Is that the church Whilst in the book of Revelation Is only at the beginning of the book Seven letters written to seven literal Churches, the things that Are, because he's already spoken about Things that were, then he goes and he Speaks about the things that are to come the church is absent during that proceeding And yet at the end of the story When the king returns He returns with his people Anything to Yeah add? that's
1: that. That's also for me The big thing is, is You see the church in the beginning of the book And then it, uh, the church is gone and not mentioned And then the next time you see the church is in heaven <laughs> uh, The bride of Christ Dressed in white Adorned for Jesus Christ And then they come back with him to earth um, that, that for me is uh, that's that's my conviction that's what I that's how I form my conviction but it's also beautiful d- depending on whatever your conviction might be knowing that the church will be with Jesus Christ yeah that if that doesn't create joy in your heart i don't think you i don't think anything else can or will i mean
0: last week uh, we were talking about heaven a little bit and we spoke about you know what heaven is like and we spoke about you know emerald seas around uh, you know, amazing thrones and streets of gold and trees and streams and fruit and and uh, banquets and just the marvelous things about heaven. But what makes heaven the place that I want to be is my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ is there, and I long for the day that I might be with Him. Peter, I'm like looking at the time. It's it's half past ten. I'm I'm kind of interested because I know you've gone away and done the work what happened <laughs> this week in history um, uh, in in world history what, what was what, what's on the cards well, for us in in this the 49th week of the year
1: <laughs> so Mark we, as we as we now then today introduced this new segment called this week in church history I was looking at some events and there were some amazing events but I thought maybe maybe it would be good to start off the first segment of this week in church history with just r- Chatting a bit about why history should be important for us. Yes. Um, and so I, I want to introduce this section with then asking that question, why history should be important for us. Many people don't like history, it's boring and it's 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 dull. But both secular and church history should be important for us. And I want to show that by reading an excerpt from Philip Schaff um, from his book The History of the Christian Church. And then I hope by, by reading this and discussing this it will become clear why all history even secular history is an actual fact church history because the sovereign God is the God who controls all history to the benefit and the building of his church and uh, Chef writes he says the central and current aim of universal history is the kingdom of God established by Jesus Christ This is the grandest and the most comprehensive institution in the world, the church. It is as vast as humanity and as enduring as eternity. All other institutions are made subservient to the church. In its interest, in the interest of the church, the whole world is governed. It is no afterthought of God. It is the forethought of God. It is the plan of creation that Christ will build his church. It is the controlling idea. It is the beginning, the middle, and it is the end of Christ's work. The first Adam is a type of the second Adam. Creation looks to redemption as the solution of its problems. Secular history, far from controlling sacred history, is controlled by it and must directly or indirectly subserve its end, and can only be fully understood, secular history can only be fully understood in the central light of Christian truth and God's plan of salvation. We see the Father who directs the history of the world, draws people to the Son, who rules the history of the church, and then we see that the Son gives people back to the Father, that God may be all in all. As we read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 to 18, All things, says St. Paul, were created through Christ and unto Christ, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the church, who is the the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that Christ may be first in all things, that He might be preeminent." And so just a a quote from from John Van Muller. He says the gospel is the summing up of the final result of his lifelong studies in history. He was a great historian and he says the gospel sums everything up. It is the fulfillment of all hopes, he writes. The gospel is the perfection of all philosophies. He says the gospel is the interpreter of all revolutions and it is the key of seeing contrad- the, seeing and understanding the contradictions of the physical and moral wor- worlds. The gospel is life. It is immortality. The history of the church is the rise and progress of the kingdom of heaven upon earth for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. It begins with the creation of Adam and with that promise of the serpent bruiser which the, which will relieve which will relieve us from our lost paradise and the, and our lost innocence by a future hope of redemption from the curse of sin. It comes down through the, the, the preparatory revelation under the patriarchs, under Moses, the gospel, and under from the prophets to the immediate forerunner of our Lord Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, who then points his followers to the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. But this, all of this, everything up until the, the birth of Jesus Christ was only an introduction. It was history introducing the Lord Jesus Christ and the proper starting point of, of all things, as Schaff as sums up, is the incarnation, the taking on of flesh of the eternal word, Jesus Christ, God, who dwelt among us and revealed his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Next to this... The miracle of the first Pentecost when the church took her place as a Christian institution filled with the spirit of the glorified Redeemer and entrusted with the conversion of all nations. This is the point of history. Jesus Christ, the God-man and the Saviour of the world, is the author of the new creation, the soul and the head of the church, which is his body and his bride. In Jesus Christ, in His person and work, lies all the fullness of the Godhead and the renew- renewal of humanity, the whole plan of redemption, and the key of all history, from the creation of man in the image of God to the resurrection of the body unto everlasting life. This is the objective conception of church history. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it is amazing. And in and, and history... Is such
0: a refreshing subject to cast yourself upon um, what do I mean by that so wh- when it comes to history uh, some people think of history as they might have been exposed to it at school and I think dry and dusty and fairly boring facts and figures dates timelines those kinds of things that hasn't been my experience of history so I, I served for a period of time As the archivist of the Baptist Union's Historical Society Um, History really is alive And history informs our today In other words as we Dig deep into The annuals of time um, What we do is We expose the path Upon which our present generation Has trod Um, Whether that be uh, church history In terms of ancient church history uh, You know this past Sunday and the Sunday to come We will read the nice creed and then sing a song related to the Nicene Creed Um, it is helpful to know something of church history so that you understand why we have received these creeds um, why we have these creeds and why they're so helpful to um, defend our faith. Um, when it comes to church history, it's helpful to understand how churches have um, have developed over time. How we have uh, come to be Baptists. You know, like what kind of Baptists do we flow in? The Puritans who came from the uh, from from uh, from America, or the Puritans who went across uh, under persecution uh, from England. How did that happen? You know, as uh, the 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 state church, the uh, the the Church of England in in England. Uh, whether it be the state churches of that time the Presbyterian churches of that time the reformed movement in Geneva and um, As we start to move backwards we understand how we got to our present and um, and we anchor ourselves We, we fix ourselves um, in this moment in time in which we live um, but ultimately all church history when gazed through the eyes of what God is doing to bring glory to himself it is an incredibly helpful way of bringing understanding to a world which is fallen a world which is in great pain and yet knowing that this pain will one day be redeemed this pain will one day be blotted out and wiped away um, and understanding how, yeah, how we fit into this great narrative that God is telling um, even of himself
1: definitely and and I think history starts to become a joy to, to a person who doesn't like history when they view it from the perspective of being God's story. It's the grand drama, it's the grand narrative that God is working out in human history, in human existence of His glory, of saving a people for, for His son, saving a people for His bride, and, and that, that just... Makes you love history, both secular and sacred history but but I think one of the the things that drew me and still draws me to church history specifically is it 's not so much the dates i 'm not a date type of person, not mm. specifically, but the stories of individuals yes and some of us have a have a understanding of broad strokes of history. We know the name Martin Luther, we yes. maybe know the name John calvin we maybe know the name augustine but Those are just like bookends that surround millions of lives of faithful Christians who had to endure things that are similar to what we are enduring or going through right now or even worse things. And to see how they prevailed, how God helped them, how God was faithful in their lives is such a great encouragement to me um i uh, i'm 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 reminded of something that Steve Lawson said when in his office behind his desk he 's got a bookshelf and he's got some of the greatest figures in church history there from Martin Luther to Augustine and all these great giants of the faith that we mentioned and he says he places them behind him almost as a reminder that he's standing on their shoulders he and is. almost they're looking over his shoulders to see yeah. what he is doing yeah yeah uh, and I think knowing history and knowing what what has happened that caused us to be where we are right now it gives you a great appreciation for life it gives you a great uh, it it increases your thankfulness for what you experience in life both the hardships and the blessings the, the 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 joyful moments in life because as as Solomon, Solomon sums up all of history where he says there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. You, you are not going to face something that no Christian has ever faced in history. Yes. And reading some of the stories of what people in the past have had to go through can be probably one of the greatest encouragements to see just as always how God is faithful. So Peter, someone listening
0: in goes, okay, I'll buy all of that. Um, history is interesting I want to get interested in history How can you kind of step into some of What you've been speaking I mean be really practical How can people go down the path Of starting to familiarize themselves With church history
1: The best resource I want to give To anyone whether they love history Or they want to dip their toe into it Is there's this podcast That's that's produced by Ligonier um, Stephen um, I I've, I've I forgot I forget his name now, but a podcast is called Five Minutes in Church History. Yes. Five Minutes in Church History. It's literally just five minutes every few days, and there are already hundreds of podcast shows available where the host tells some of the most interesting stories from church history, things that might sound almost fictional yes. <laughs> if, if, you, if, it, if it wasn't written and proven to be a historical fact. That is something I would highly recommend to anyone who just wants to have a little taste. The amazing thing about history is you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) You think you have heard all the great stories, the interesting stories. No, there are so many figureheads and persons and events in church history that once you learn about it, you cannot help but glorify God for his handiwork. Within the the realm of human existence, so five so minutes I'll, of I've, church history. I've actually
0: put that onto the show notes, uh, into well into the comments on Facebook. Five minutes in church history. It's to a liganius website, uh, and that is hosted by Stephen Nicholas, yes. and we definitely do commend you to that. Uh, well worth going and checking out. Um. I'm going to give a. I'm going to give a couple of ways that people can appropriate church history uh, that I've used myself over the years. Number one is going to DesiringGod.org. DesiringGod.org. That's two words: Desiring and God. dot um, org. That is the website of the ministry of John Piper, and on the Desiring God um, website. Uh, you can just do a search for short bios, short biographies They're normally a couple of hundred words each And they will give you a biography of an important, an important historical figure So whether that be Martin Luther, John Calvin, um, the reformers uh, Right up to you know, contemporary um, uh, figures um, John Piper's probably put together, I don't know, dozens mm-hmm. uh, of short bios I find, that I find his writing excellent His intention isn't to be historical his intention is to move your heart and so kind of put on display both the good and the bad um, of whoever the hero under discussion is and so he 's quite frank in terms of of people's um, people's shortcomings um, uh, quite frank in terms of people's sin um, but also um, his intention is to draw out um wonderful characteristics of 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 Christians uh, through the ages. And um, the second resource is um, Augustine Bookroom. Hmm. Now Augustine Bookroom is run out of Constantia Park Baptist Church. Constantia Park Baptist Church. Willem Bronkost is the pastor there. Um, that particular bookroom has got a very large history, church history section. And in that very large church history section, I would encourage you, if you do, if you want to read some church history, uh, these would make great Christmas presents, by the way, um, go and check it out and look for a compendium of of. Of history so the kinds of books that come to mind are a fistful of heroes uh, i can't remember who wrote that um, or steve lawson you mentioned him earlier has written um, a couple of brief biologic uh, biographical sketches and uh, one that stands out for me in particular is on john knox another with uh, athanasius um uh, excellent little short historical profiles um on particular men through history so find something that find a book that's got like 10 biographies in it um, and that's a great place to start Um, makes for great reading particularly if you've got teenage boys teenage Mm. boys really enjoy Reading about the history of missionaries because they go to amazing places and meet incredible people and there's Headhunters and all kinds of different things that uh, that 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 guys had to deal with and the His death and violence and it's the kind of thing that teenage boys really enjoy reading about um, They make for great um, Great uh, presents for for teenage boys uh, a short biography and then I mean for myself I, I've put aside one book to read um, in the week Uh, Between Christmas and New Year And uh, this year the the book That I'm going to be reading is Evangelism In the Early Church by Michael Green Mm. It's a book that's been recommended to me many times It's a historical book of the Evangelism of the early church Um, You know there's that Period um, between Christmas and New Year where we watch The five day test um, On on TV Now obviously I'm going to be watching the test Obviously I'm going to be enjoying uh, Gammon sandwiches on and spending time with family and friends and relaxing over that period. That's what that period is for. But do it with a book in your hand, um, and you can knock off a decent book easily in a week.
1: Definitely. Uh, Just another quick resource I would like to share, especially if you have children, but even if you don't have children, I I love these stories for myself, is, is on YouTube you have this, I don't know if it's the channel's name, but Torchlighters. Okay. they have so many different animations yes. from the reformation to early church history short animations like 30 to 45 minutes uh for reformation day my my daughter and i we just sat on the couch early morning we watched the 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 animation about the life of martin luther and that she is was so cool yeah she was captivated by it i love those so if you have kids or even for yourself the torchlighters are amazing and then if you want to start off with with a resource. There's a, a PDF um that was a book written by John Piper. It's on the life of an American missionary called David Brainerd. Uh it's a yes. small booklet. I yes. think it's about thirty pages. Um very small. And it's it's in essence actually David Brainerd left behind his diary. And his diary was edited by Jonathan Edwards and then published and then John Piper took that and he edited it a bit more to be more concise. I want every Christian to read that book. David Brainerd, the, the subtitle is May I Never Loiter on My Heavenly Journey by John Piper. It's freely available on their website. We'll, we'll share a link for that as well. I would highly recommend it every Christian. It's easy, a child can read it, it's captivating enough that someone who's lived 80 years will still be able to learn from it. I highly recommend that, so- that source. Torchlighters the, the videos and then the, the David Brainerd uh, diary booklet by John Piper.
0: Uh, excellent Excellent resources Thanks so uh, very much for that And listener I mean you've now got some Homework uh, Over the next couple of weeks um, Bottom line is This morning we have spoken About Christmas carols I hope that you enjoy Being a church over this period That you enjoy uh, Celebrating the incarnation Of Jesus Christ Together with other believers um, But in particular I hope that you've heard The call to read scripture In 2022 And you Either get a couple of people From your church together and read together um, or find a mechanism that you can read together with your family um, it's a great opportunity to read through the Bible I, I spent the whole of January and February in the car with my daughter reading through the New Testament um, doing about 10 chapters a day um, a wonderful opportunity to give your children um, a full reading through Scripture before they leave home um, and and then Over the the festive period go and find yourself um a a book or an article, uh, something to do with church history that you can uh, that you can grow in this area. I have put the links to various different topics, uh, torch lighters, um, the five minutes in church history, as well as now the articles from Desiring God relating to his to history, as well as the book from Desiring God. Will uh, Peter will put that into the show notes um, during the course of. Uh, this week Um, but I I, I do want to say thank you so much for joining us uh, this year we're not quite finished Uh, we'll still meet with you next week Friday And engage with you Next week Friday I I, I thoroughly enjoy Fridays with you I enjoy the questions And answers that come in From the listening audience We do hope to serve you Even better in 2023 As we bring to you Some some fascinating content We're going to be having Spotlights on a number Of churches and church friends uh, All across the country Uh, We are going to be Having some theological Debate and engagement And interaction uh, With a principal From a Bible college We are going to be having a spotlight in church history as a regular feature uh, just a short time highlighting someone in church history and of course we will be joined by 4SA um, through the uh, through 2023 engaging on this uh, ongoing uh, interaction between the church and state and answering your bible questions live and on air we are looking forward to another year of, uh, of joyful engagement and interaction uh, with you we thank you so much uh, for um, visiting with us uh, even this Friday Peter, anything that you'd like to say to close us off?
1: No, I, I, this was a great discussion I love talking to you Mark I appreciate our listeners I appreciate them giving me the opportunity to just spend this time with you so thank you Well friends, in that case you have been listening to Table Talk with me
0: your host Mark, together with Peter, we're going to be going to news shortly. And so until next week, Friday, walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously as you listen to New Horizon by Midpoint Worship. God bless.